You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm. Or if you end up listening after the fact, on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola Fun Show today. My name is Ryan Lavoy. I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me here this Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully everyone is okay after all these storms uh, late last night and into early this morning. I know uh, I was awoken up early this morning with some of the thunder and lightning and that sort of stuff. So hopefully everyone uh, made it through the evening okay. And uh, we certainly had, we I think by my count, we had six warnings from the national weather service during the show yesterday six interruptions if you were listening on live radio six times you heard the national weather service come through during our show yesterday i do not anticipate that with beautiful blue skies out there uh today so ryan lavoy tom pv canberry on the show today 5 15 we'll have joe bartle of rotowire we always have him on wednesday and love talking to him we'll talk to him about the nfl and a little bit of fantasy basketball and we'll have birthdays and sports as we always do a nightly tv guide to conclude the show and we'll also have uh we will have um our, your phone calls at 334-887-341 locally and toll free at one triple eight nine tiger nine on our auburn bank phone line so a lot to do today and uh, of course auburn basketball 5 30 on our sister station fm talk 93.9 so we will be getting off right after that joe barl interview and let you focus on auburn basketballs there in athens georgia again ryan lavoy canberry tom peavy with me here this afternoon we'll start with you tom uh welcome back second show of the year for you and i uh, hope you're doing well sir uh yeah doing well and uh, yeah you were talking about the weather I, I spent that whole first round of it at the fire station last night in case we got any calls which fortunately we didn't uh the everything stayed a little bit north of us with all the tornado warnings and then a little bit south of us with a tornado warning uh and then i slept through the second batch i woke up and saw that we had gotten a tornado warning at some point i'm like oh wow i slept through that so uh fortunately apparently it, it sounds like nothing really bad happened uh but uh yeah big round of storms last night but yeah it's beautiful out there today um and, and doing well and i i haven't had a chance to talk about the the incident uh with uh on monday night football yet since i i was here monday during the show but uh yeah i mean scary incident that everybody's still everybody's talking about you know with uh damar hamlin of the uh of the bills just a scary situation there with that yeah we will uh, get into that a little bit uh, again, in just a moment, as uh, Cam Berry is also on the show today. This is his first show of the year. Uh, Cam, welcome back here in 2023, and I hope you you are well, sir. I am. I am. Happy New Year. Um, 
since this is my first show on of being able to say that and uh yeah some crazy storms last night um i mean i wasn't even able to go to my uh my other job this morning drive to montgomery because it was so bad uh at the time where i would normally be driving and i just did not feel safe enough to make it down there so i I wasn't able to do that but uh enjoyed being able to sleep in a little bit which that was nice um and yeah um, auburn basketball playing tonight Uh, excited to talk about that a game against georgia Uh, i mean yeah uh the SEC is tough. Um, we're definitely definitely seeing that. Um, I mean, just last night, Kentucky only beat LSU by three um, in 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 Lexington in Lexington. Excuse me. So that that's definitely uh, something to pay attention to. Um, and yeah, the the Demar Hamlin situation is still developing. That's a really sad thing to see. Uh, uh, watching that game, that was I mean, just extremely scary. Uh, don't know how the NFL is going to be able to proceed. Um, how the NFL is going to proceed with that and, and make those decisions on the game and the implications because that was such a big game and uh, just praying for Demar and all that stuff um, with him and, and hope that he you know recovers well because there's a lot to really take in like he really might not play football again if we're thinking about that and it, it's just a lot to take in and um, just really really sad and and I hope that he's able to make a full recovery. Um, but he he did have to have CPR, you know, administered to him on the field, and that means his brain lost oxygen for t- for a time, and and that's just a lot to think about and consider. Um, they said that he's still in critical condition, but uh, he's showing signs of improvement, so that is a good thing, uh, and and hopefully he continues to show signs of improvement. So yeah, just praying for Demar Hamlin, and I, I hope everything um, be uh, becomes okay with him. Yeah, and same thing. I, I mean, it's just a – it's one of those things that we've never seen on a football field, We and, and it has been talked about over and over again. We've all seen injuries as much football as we've watched, whether it be uh, live or on television. We've seen injuries. We've we've all seen really, really bad injuries happen. That was a, that was a whole situation that none that, of, that's none a, of this us – This is uncharted territory. Exactly. And, and, and that's the other thing is I – I, I'm really aggravated with some of the just really bad takes that people are having over that situation. I don't like the take, first of all, where people are are jumping on on the NFL as as the company, the NFL, about the whole five minute thing where they were originally is like they're going to give them a five minute warm up and then play. That's the protocol. It, that's not something the NFL did was looking at and going. You know what? We don't care about this kid that's laying on the field having CPR done. We're just going to play in five minutes. No, it, that's their protocol over an, over injuries, over an extended mm-hmm. injury like that in injury time. That's their protocol. They're not used to a kid being laying down having CPR and an AED put on him. So they were in uncharted territory with that as well. So that's a bad take. Uh, the Skip Bayless take. Goodness gracious, dude. No, Read the do- room. Yes, read the room. You don't go back out there and play the game. How in the world, if you're a member of the Buffalo Bills and you see your friend, your buddy, your brother, laying on the field having CPR administered to him and expected to go out and play a game right after that? No. And so Skip Bayless's take was dumb. Uh, Bart Scott had a stupid take today where he was blaming it on T. Higgins. You know, basically saying that T. Higgins is the reason that happened. I, yeah. I mean, there's just been some terrible, terrible 
opinions and takes over this whole deal. But ultimately, I, it sounds a little more positive from a first responder aspect of it. I understand that if you ever get to the point that you're having to do CPR on somebody or you and or use an AED on them, that usually does not turn out well. Uh, this is not uh, it's not a movie scenario that you see on television where mm-hmm. they give them CPR and all of a sudden they're awake and talking immediately. That it does not happen that way. Most of the times, if you get to the point that CPR is having to be done, it does not turn out well. However, fortunately for him, there's a little, it's called the golden hour where you have a certain amount of time that you need to be able to give them care. Fortunately for him, uh, for, uh, for uh, Damar, if you're going to collapse in cardiac arrest, having a bunch of doctors and yeah. everything right there with you is about the best chance you could ever have because is they were a hospital or that field were the best exactly, two places to, yes. to collapse. Uh, yeah, because they were able to give him immediate care. There was no uh, time of him being in cardiac arrest that somebody was not really taking care of him, and they and they were able to get his heart going back again. So, uh, that you know that that's such a good sign, and everything. It sounds like he's making some improvements. So I'm I'm hoping for the best for him. Because man, when I was watching it on TV, so that was super scary. It was very super scary when they came back from the commercial break and were showing all the Bills players just bawling their eyes out, and I'm that was like, oh gosh, something is yeah, something man. is terribly, terribly wrong right here. And of course, it, it it really was. But hoping for the best for him. Yeah, um, Brian, th- this computer is connected to the sound, right? Like you can you can play a video off this computer, right, or no? Maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah. All right. I sent. I just DM'd a, a, a video on Twitter um, to the sports call Twitter. If you want to, uh, if you can figure out a way to pull that up later during the commercial break, something like that about this guy that was talking about the injury and just like the overall, just deeper impacts about the stuff. The the scary side of more. It's just a deeper side of of things you have to think about when you're thinking about NFL players, healthcare, all of this stuff. Um, so we can figure that out later. Um, I just didn't know if you knew, like, right off the top of your head or not. But, yeah, just, I mean, like, it's super scary. Just just scary thing. And, yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you if that was possible, Ryan. I got you. Um, yeah, no, I think that um, with everything to consider here in uh, yesterday's show, we did not talk at all about uh, the scheduling and the repercussion uh, for the league and for – uh, just how they go about the last week or so of the season because we wanted to focus on the human element um, because that was the most important element. So we focused on that yesterday, but we're going to do a little bit of both today uh, because, you know, I think to finish off what you guys were saying yesterday also was brought up that it's kind of a weird way to look at it, but this is probably the best, in air quotes, best place this could have happened, athletically speaking, because of everyone that the NFL. Uh, and, and these stadiums have on si- on standby the fact that there was a level one trauma center two miles away. If this happens on a high school field, uh, I don't know if he's with yeah. us anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing here is that it was still amongst this uh, terrible tragedy. It could have even been worse than that uh, if, it was, if it happened somewhere else because we have heard, we might not have seen, but we've heard – of instances in high school in particular 
where players have died, maybe during summer workouts, mm-hmm. uh, heat stroke or something. Uh, we have heard of that, uh, but we've not seen at this level, to my knowledge, uh, ever see something quite like this. And uh, as you guys said, you know, just the seeing the emotions on everyone's faces. I, I did not. Uh, I was at a local restaurant, so the TV was on mute. I did not. Uh, know the magnitude of what was going on until I saw the likes of Stefan Diggs holding back tears and yeah. those guys. And it's like, I, I just at this point, you're just like, is he is he dead? I don't know. Yeah. And and I, I don't know what's going on. And then the reports came out about the CPR and that sort of thing. Uh, so certainly, Demar Hamlin uh, still in our thoughts and prayers. Dan Orlovsky <laughs> prayed on live TV, which I don't know if I've seen that before, yeah. but that took. Uh, uh, I enjoyed hearing that, and um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's some slow updates. There's some slow progress, uh, still listed in critical condition, uh, and as you said, Tom, you know, not something that uh, you just pop right back up. You know, one of those classic get CPR and oh no, fine, right back to normal yep. here. No. Uh, no, so now we we were talking about uncharted territory, and this is how uncharted territory that situation was. You have to go all the way back to October the twenty fourth of nineteen seventy one before a similar incident happened, and that was uh, Chuck Hughes, wide receiver for the uh, Detroit Lions, uh, collapsed on the field uh, in Detroit with a uh, fatal heart attack. Uh, nineteen seventy one. That's how far years, back. Yeah. That's how far back you have to go for something similar of what we watched uh, the other uh, from what we watched Monday you have to go all the way back to 1971 Chuck Hughes so man that's crazy and Uh, you would think as violent of a sport it is you'd see more stuff but I guess that's a testament to the the equipment well and and that's and that's the emphasis on how you can't blame the hit or anything like that absolutely a freak accident well in the in the chuck well freak accident but we don't know exactly they have not officially said what caused that to happen so unless something's come out that i've missed now the chuck hughes deal back in 71 was an undiagnosed blood clot uh, he had a, or a, an, undi- an undiagnosed clogged artery, I think it was, if I remember, like a 75% blockage. He took a hit. It dislodged the clot, which then got into his heart and caused the massive heart attack. We don't know what may have happened with DeMar, uh, if there was a clot that came loose or if it was something that ruptured or if it was the uh, – the, the, I forget the terminology. They, the Cormodo, Cormodio – Yeah. Um, where if you get hit in the chest, it, it, it it's can like cause a, your heart to stop, right? right? If you get hit, hit in the chest hard enough, right? Yeah, it, well, what it is well, at the wrong moment, at the wrong moment. Yeah. And, and I saw a doctor say it's like a one in a million chance. No, now, if you want to talk about freak accident, then it, it is absolutely freak accident because you're talking about one in a million. So when your heart is beating and the electrical activity of your yeah. heart, there, stop. there's an instant and i mean it is a very brief instance of your heart beating in the electrical uh, activity that if you get hit in the chest at that exact price precise moment that will stop your heart and they don't know if that's what happened with him or if it's a situation where he had a clot that came loose or if the impact maybe uh ruptured a you know an artery or something don't know i mean they haven't said uh either way it's all scary and you know it sounds Things sound like they're getting more positive for him 
and uh, that's what you're hoping for the best to eventually see that young man be able to walk out of that hospital. Yeah, absolutely, and that is the uh, most important thing there. And again, uh, I think is you know I w- I would say the closest, the most similar thing I can think of um, was the Christian Erickson, uh, the soccer player two years ago. Oh, man. Uh, that uh, yeah, that collapse on that. the field, yeah. uh, same type of thing. Needed CPR. Uh, he plays soccer now to this day, yeah. uh, so it he is made a full recovery. We we don't know the particulars, but uh, first and foremost, we just want Demar Hamlin to live and and then regain a quality of life, and we'll go from there. But uh, uh, the closest example to this uh, did end up having a uh, good conclusion so we shall see we will talk to joe bartle a little bit later on the show and i we will ask him a little bit more about the scheduling side of things and and more of the the football matter which of course takes a back seat to the life matter but we'll ask him about that sort of thing and then uh we'll also again talk to him about uh some some basketball stuff and that sort of thing that'll come up a little bit later and uh, also a little bit later in the show, in the 4 o'clock hour, we have some Auburn women's basketball tickets to give away. They play Alabama this Sunday, and uh, we will have uh, two tickets to give away for that one a little bit later on in the show. Ryan, Tom, and Cam with you here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. After this, birthdays and sports. We'll also go to our Auburn Bank phone line. This is Sports Call. Get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Barry with you here this afternoon, a, a beautiful afternoon after an ugly morning. Uh, we talked a little bit about that a moment ago, but uh, glad that it is, it's a nice 71 degree spring day, right, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> um, I got, I've got the shorts and flip flops on. Yep. That might be a that might be a mistake later on tonight when it gets down into the 40s. It will get in the 40s. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be mild for a while though. Yeah. I'm a uh, I'm, I'm I'm I like I know you like cold. I'm not meant for cold. Uh, that's why I fly south to Tampa a few times a year. Well, the, the and, thing uh, is, we we get plenty of this type of weather. I mean, yeah. when it when you get into March and May, they, sure, yeah. Mar- March, May, they, April, this type of weather is great. It's January the fourth. It's a it's supposed <laughs> it's supposed to be frigid right now. It, uh-huh. It's a, we're we're not, I'm not supposed to be wearing shorts and flip flops on January the fourth. Fair enough. Fair enough. I can't argue. Uh, fair enough. It. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's uh, let's do this. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Today's birthdays in sports once again brought to you by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Four birthdays today pretty good list here. Eric Well turns 38, former NFL safety, 
Weddle was a two-time All-State player in high school and led his high school team to a California State Championship in 2000. He signed to play for Utah in 2003 and started for all four seasons. Two-time Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year and All-American in 2006. Drafted 37th overall by the then San Diego Chargers and spent 10 of his 14th seasons playing for the team. He was a six-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and in his last season helped the Rams to win Super Bowl 56. Eric Weddell turns 38 today. Derrick Henry turns 29. The running back cyborg for the Tennessee Titans ran for over 12,000 yards in his four years in high school. I could say that again. 12,000 yards in high school. And was the number one overall recruit as a senior. Played at Alabama, where he was back up for two seasons before taking over his starter in 2015. Led Alabama to a national championship and also won a Heisman Memorial Trophy. Declared for the NFL Draft in 2015, where he was taken 45th overall by the Titans. Came a starter for the team in 2018 and is now regarded as one of the best backs in the league. Three-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL rushing yards leader, two-time NFL rushing touchdown leader, an All-Pro, and a one-time NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Derrick Henry has a big game with the Titans this weekend. He turns 29. Chris Bryant turns 31, third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. Also played for the Cubs and Giants. Bryant was named a high school All-American, opted to sign and play for the University of San Diego rather than GoPro. As a junior in 2013, he won the Golden Spikes Award and was named an All-American. He was then taken second overall by the Cubs. He debuted in 2015 and was the NL Rookie of the Year. 2016, he was named NL MVP and led the Cubs to their first World Series win in 108 years. I think the Cubs fans will always appreciate him. Chris Bryant turns 31 today. Also, MVP in your second year in the league. I know he's still a good player, but maybe felt like there was even a higher, uh, better version of Chris Bryant, uh, given what we've seen the last several years. Colin Sexton turns 24, guard for the Utah Jazz. Sexton was born in Atlanta and helped lead his high school to a state championship in 2016. He was the number seven overall player in the class, signed with Alabama. Played one season at Bama where he was the SEC Freshman of the Year and then was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2018. He was then traded to the Utah Jazz where he's currently their sixth man. Colin Sexton turns 24 today again. Eric Weddle turns 38. Derek Henry turns 29. Chris Bryant turns 31. And Colin Sexton turns 24. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Good list right there. All right, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to give us a call to join the show today. First up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Doing good, guys. Uh, we survived a thunderstorm this morning. Uh, I take it you had a bit more than we did. Uh, I think we all had oh had a, a, a good deal. Uh, I did notice that there was some radar uh, I think James Spann mentioned Fairhope as uh, getting slammed early this morning. But, uh, yeah, there was a tornado warning just south of here around 4.30 a.m., and uh, there was definitely a, a lot going on weather-wise around 3, 4, 5 a.m. Well, that was a heck of a wake-up call then. Uh, it sure was, and that was not when I was scheduled to get up. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you guys are back on the show and nothing was knocked out uh, for the radio station to go on uh, today. And uh, – Mr. Camberry, welcome back, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Steve. You doing all right? Good, good. I'm doing fine uh, so far. Hey, uh, I want to follow up on some of the conversation you had about uh, the uh, gentleman, uh, uh, Hamill, that uh, uh, is still getting better from what I read on updates earlier this afternoon. He's on 
only on 50 percent oxygen is what i read yes yeah. that was one of the updates again very slow improvements but nevertheless they are improvements so far right and you're very factual scientific about this is a rare occurrence but when it's happened it's usually pretty deadly uh that it hits uh the heart uh in the area uh, right, I think, uh, right in the chest area, obviously, uh, but right when it's going through a cycle of a uh, pause between the heartbeats. Yeah. And uh, I recall reading maybe one or two years ago about a, uh, I think it was like a seven or eight-year-old uh, baseball uh, player, a uh, boy, who was hit accidentally in the chest by the pitcher of the opponent, and he died on the spot. Man. That's because, awesome. of, uh, because of this kind of condition. So I uh, bring that up because I uh, happened to get uh, emails on a daily basis from New York Times, and they'll give me articles that appear on behind their uh, a firewall. Uh, some I can read for free, but this one, uh, I don't know if you guys can access it, but it's behind a far firewall, and it's by one of their uh, news uh, sports journalists, and uh, the sports writer his name up here. Um, his name is Kurt Streeter. Are you familiar with that name or not? Uh, not that I'm aware of. No, I'm not. Me either. Well, the, the, uh, the title of his column is entitled, We're All Complicit in the NFL's Violent Spectacle. Um. And I can't get behind the firewall, so I wanted to see if you guys uh, have a subscription. Those are the ones who can get behind that firewall. Because uh, apparently he says that uh, uh, we as spectators uh, play a part in the toll that uh, these sports play on uh, have an impact on on the players, and I want to get your your thoughts on on that perspective. All right, so my my thoughts on this are that this is something that has been talked about since the beginning of football because now. Uh, Steve, I know you're older than me and older than the rest of the guys here, but this is even before your time, Steve. Back in the in those days, they were trying to actually make legislation to uh, ban football because right. they th- they I was, think it was FDR. Things. They tried to get it banned. I don't know if it was FDR, but they were trying to actually put legislation out to ban football. So, just because of the violent nature of football, it has been been talked about for many 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 decades of the danger of the sport and trying to ban it and that has gone all the way through the 40s 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s and here we are at 2023 and you still have dunces that are trying to say no we need to ban football or the fans are to blame for the violent nature it's 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 bs and it's been the same crap that's been talked about for decades and i don't take any i don't put any stock into it at all i think this is going to be something that is going to be big for how people view the sport though because this happened on such a national stage like this happened in front of in front of billions of not billions millions millions of people right and and the thing is, you know, that it, was it wasn't a even a game. It was a big game, but the thing is, the incident, the hit, and everything was very sure. mild in comparison to some of the. Oh go, yeah. go back, go back and watch the Georgia Ohio State game and the hit that Marvin yeah. Harrison Jr. took in the yeah. end zone. That you know, a, a call that could have been, maybe should have been called targeting, right? It was not targeting, but could have been. Should, I'm just saying, yeah. right? But it just, it, but even then, I mean. It, you can't just sit there, you know, as a writer. I mean, you can. It's his opinion. But 
You're going to sit there and talk about the violence of the sport. And, I mean, the hit that caused that was very mild in comparison to other hits that happened in the game of football. Yeah, I'm just wondering, um, you know, and there's a lot more protection for football players. Um, What about, like, baseball players? You know, they get hit by in the major leagues by balls that are being pitched, you know, 95, maybe 100 miles an hour. And that uh, when they hit uh, the batter in that area, uh uh-oh. So uh, I wonder about that. What about soccer players? I mean, those balls are going pretty fast, and they get hit, right? Well, and, and you know, Steve, I mean, if if some if that rider wants to go down that road, and again, like we said, we, we're not very aware of him and certainly have not read that article, but you could, based off of one case or a few severe cases, you could eliminate a lot of things in this world. Right. I mean, if, if, you, if you tried to go down that road, because as we talked about a little bit earlier, there was a soccer player that collapsed on the field. And it was just a freak thing. It wasn't really anything that happened with the play. It was just he collapsed on the soccer field. I've talked about yesterday that race car drivers have died uh, racing multiple times. They have made it infinitely safer. It has fortunately not happened in a while, but it used to happen every several years. Um, and, And there's other sports where you have dangerous plays. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, not that death needs to be a part of it, but there are going to be some potential for harm in, in certain ways in, in really any sport you play. And so this is incredibly unfortunate. We wish this on nobody, but this could have also happened based off of the freak nature of it. This could have happened in a lot of these different sports or yep. just walking down the street even. So, uh, you know, I, I again, I, I don't want to completely lambast this guy without reading it, but uh, I feel like if you took that stance for one instance here, you could take that stance for a whole multitude of things. I agree. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, who's to say, you know, this, this could have occurred, you know, uh, in some other kind of sport, not just, not just football. Sure. And these individuals, you know, they have that choice. No one forces them to play this sport. Right. Exactly. Yep. So they have that free choice, you know. Uh, but, so moving on, guys. Uh, Tonight's game. I see that uh, Vegas has seen us seen us sit that well, actually opened up minus six and a half with minus seven and a half now. Um, but that you know doesn't tell me all these ten thousand simulations and say anything either. So I wanted to look deeper at you know how good or how really maybe not so good is Georgia. Now what I did read and I forgot about this, uh, but there's a certain player that apparently uh, took us a task uh, last year in that game that uh, thankfully you were correct, uh, Mr. Ryan LaVoy, it was Wendell Green who made the layup with 3.3 seconds left. But I'm referring to a guy by the name of Cario Oquendo. Yeah, Oquen- yep. yeah Oquendo. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's he nasty. scored 25 darn points. I did not know he scored that much in that game against mm-hmm. us. Yeah, he's good. And he's he real, is real, real good. He's he, their leading scorer, right? Yeah, he is yeah. just narrowly their reading, uh, leading scorer. He averages 14.3 points a game. And then they've got someone else by the name of Terry Roberts that averages 14.1 points. So they got two double-digit scores that both average around 14, and Aquindo is one of them. Okay. Well, they got some other people. I won't go through the list. But then I looked at these stats from College of Magnolia, uh, one of the statisticians here. And here's where Georgia ranks in a number of categories. Uh, so I looked at them. Uh, field goal percentage. They rank nationally 232nd. Sounds about right for a Mike White team. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Two-point percentage, 245th. Three-points percentage, 182nd. That comes to .339 actual yep. make uh, three-pointers. Yep. Okay, free throws. Now, this is a little bit troubling. 
because we are not tearing it up on free throws, right? Right. Uh, they are ranked 81st. That's one of their highest uh, rankings. Okay. Uh, actually, 70 points, well, about 74% they're yep. making it. What are we have, you guys, 64%, something like that? Uh, let me double-check that. Um, yeah, you mentioned 33.7 from three for Georgia, 73.7 from the line. Auburn is 67.1 from the foul line, and they are Auburn is 29.7 from three. Okay, all right. So the free throws, uh, they're better at than we are. Yes. Uh, offensive rebounds, um, not too shabby. They're ranked 71st, uh, 12.1. And uh, defensive rebounds are drunk, really not really good, 118th. So given all that, guys, those rankings, should we not have to rely on uh, any Maylocks or Pepto-Bismol in this game? <laughs> Uh, Steve, you're yeah. going to have to rely on Pepto for this team the entire season. <laughs> yeah, just kind of. Please, please say it, it ain't so. Go, it, go ahead uh, and go, go to Sam's and stock up on. be tough, man. Yeah. If this was at home, I would feel more confident Auburn could at least win like a 10-point game, something like that. But on the road, uh, I, I just feel that this is going to be a single-digit ball game that may not be decided until the closing, closing couple minutes. Auburn is favored by seven. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that that could or could not be a very close nail-biting game if you're at seven points. But uh, I, I think in general, anytime this team goes on the road, it is going to be a close one, and uh, obviously they'll have some tough opponents coming in the Neville Arena too. Um, I know we're not going to – we're not, as <laughs> Coach Prosper said, you know, offense is difficult for us, offensive scoring. Yeah, I think it was with words. So this Cognitoia uh, writer made a prediction score of 71 to 62. You guys uh, think it could be that kind of score or or, or closer? Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, even yeah, in, a, that, in a, that's not too bad. Even in an eight or nine point game like that, it could have been sixty to fifty seven with two minutes left, and then Auburn hits a couple threes or hits a bunch of free throws at the end and, and lengthens it. So, uh, I like I said, I expect it to be pretty close. Just given uh, that Mike White has traditionally had a slower tempo, uh, slower tempo team when at Florida, given that you talked about their efficiency is not great, this team usually only scores in the 60s or 70s. They really do not break out very often, uh, speaking of Georgia. And then obviously Auburn has had some scoring difficulties. They did, uh, in their last road game, uh, play a great game at Washington, as we've talked about. Uh, but yeah, I, I think something in the again four to seven point range, something in there. Uh, I, I'm not usually too bold to say it comes down to the absolute last possession. It's a two or three point game, but I definitely think it'll stay in the single digits. Okay, all right. Um, and then about the upcoming uh, national championship game, guys. Uh, apparently, there's some people who don't like very put it mildly, uh, Mr. Stetson Bennett. And uh, one of them is by the name of Mr. Eric Ainge. Have you seen what was read about him by the Spun? I I haven't, I, I, but I don't I don't know how anybody could have anything negative to say about Stetson Bennett. I mean, it, it's a great story. He's not he's not just the greatest quarterback ever by any stretch of the imagination. He's a very good, serviceable quarterback for what Georgia is doing. But his story is so great to come from walk on to potentially winning back to back national championships. I don't. I don't know how you can say anything negative about him. Well, uh, if uh, Mr. Bennett decides to read anything and he comes across this one, this is bulletin board material. Uh, his, these comments from former quarterback Eric Ainge uh, about Bennett 
came during the Eric Ainge show, which I didn't know you had one, and his comments were, in quotes, you know who I can't stand? Stetson Bennett. <laughs> it was cute when he first got to play and played pretty good. And now the whole, like, I'm a walk-on, I'm a Jugo transfer, he's like 28-3 to start at Georgia or something like that. I'm cheering hard against him. I want Georgia not to just lose the game. I want them to lose with Stetson Bennett throwing not four touchdowns, but four picks. Huh. He's such a punk. He called him a punk. So I don't, you know, why is he so butthurt with this guy? I don't know. Eric Cage, uh, former Tennessee quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that I, might do it. I don't know. Probably doesn't like Georgia. <laughs> That's just what in I general. figured. He just doesn't that like do Georgia it. in general. That that sounds that sounds like a fan talking. Yeah, as soon as you said former Tennessee quarterback, yeah, that that yeah. makes sense. I mean, that's all that does. It sounds like a it sounds like a jealous fan talking. Hey, look, man, I don't like Stetson Bennett either, but that's because I don't like UGA. <laughs> sure, but I can respect yeah. the story. Well, I just thought this was a bit much coming from somebody. You know, so, well, why are you giving this kind of ammunition to, uh, uh, to to their fan base and to the players? Maybe you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, I thought. It was well, if, it, if it's uh, if he's got his own show, he's probably just stirring the pot to try to like generate callers and generate. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. He, I'm sure picks. he actually feels that way. But him singing on his show, he's trying to generate content. He's trying to generate phone calls, and he's trying to stir that pot. Yeah. All right, then there's a really good article. If you haven't gotten to it yet, all 247 Sports, uh, about Mr. Katie Johnson. And it's entitled by Nathan King, <clears throat> How an Emotional January Day Launched Katie Johnson's College Career. Have you uh, read or seen it yet? We have not. No. It's really worth reading uh, because he talks about how the transfer came about. And even more so, uh, even when he decided to uh, use transfer report to come to Auburn, he was lacking, apparently, some uh, college credits. And the former uh, Georgia coach, Crean, I think it says Crean, is that his name? Yeah, C-R-E-A-N. Tom Crean. Crean, yeah. yeah. He apparently advocated for him and allowed him to complete his remaining college credits at Georgia, fully paid for. Wow. He said he still files it. He says he loves it. He roots. says, I'm rooting for KD uh, nowhere to, no matter where he plays. So it's a pr- pretty good article. All right, finally, Mr. Ryan LaVoy. Yes, sir. I know you like uh, certain kind of movies, and I would recommend this to you, and you guys, uh, the rest of you guys can look at it. It's called Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. Okay, I think I've seen it's that just title. It premiered on Netflix. Okay. And uh, it's a uh, heist. It's about a heist. It's a thriller. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what's unique about this one is that you don't watch it. in the, It's eight episodes, but you don't watch them in, chron- in chronological order. They are presented to the viewer in random order. And so when you watch it, or so when I watch it, I'll get a random uh, selection of how I see and view the episodes. Oh. And, they're, and they are viewed not by number, like number one, first episode, say, they're viewed by colors. Each episode is colored differently. So you don't know what you'll be getting. Wow. You may get the episode in the fourth uh, chronologically of what's going on. So you are not knowing exactly what may be going on until you've seen all the episodes. Golly, that's in, that's just the premise of that's just interesting. I don't Wait, know how is, you can make a make something that would that you could just random randomize the uh, episode. What order. what platform is it on? Netflix. Uh, Netflix? On Netflix. Oh. Yeah, it's called Kaleidoscope. It and just came the out. The actors, yeah. yeah, the actors themselves don't know what's going on because they're only given their parts for that episode. They don't know what the episodes involve. That's kind of dope. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. <laughs> But there's some good actors in it. One of them, um, 
is uh, the gentleman that played in uh, Call Saul, I think. Yeah. Better Call Saul? Yeah. Uh, he's he's one of the characters from that uh, that episode. Uh, but apparently, oh, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Giancarlo. Yeah. They, uh, and Baptista, something Esposito is another um, other, other gentleman in there. But apparently, Rotten Tomatoes uh, gave him 90%. And, they, and the director said they did this on purpose because. He said most human brains, and he's right, are, you know, habitually into placing things in orderly fashion. He said this time he wanted to make it more interesting and less boring and less predictable. So you don't know when you're seeing it what may have already transpired or not. You have to see all of them to know what exactly uh, is going on with the characters and uh, why things are happening the way they're happening. That is fascinating. We'll have to give that a we'll have to give that a watch. Yeah, that sounds. Well, cool. I, I'll watch that. Kaleidoscope. And finally, guys, about the the, the unplayed game. Now, I don't want to make light of his injury, but that was a crucial game, and it's going to have to be made up, right? Because that determined who's going to get uh, home field right and first place right. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're definitely gonna spend some time on that at least with uh, Joe Bartle because. Uh, that game could decide who wins the AFC North. Yeah. It could decide uh, who the one, two, and three seeds are in the AFC. I mean, un- unfortunately, that, that was a, a very important impl- game. Yeah, a lot of implications. So it just can't be dismissed and not played again, right? It has to be played. It, it will have to be. I think it'll I have think to be played. Be. I, I mean, I, it's going to cause some scheduling headaches for the league, but, I mean, I think they're just going to have to They're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, if this so game – just toss a coin and decide who gets home <laughs> – Home play, uh, so far. Well, because yeah. they'll have different, you know, they'll have different records because they'll have um, one less game. So uh, the, the other, the other, th- you can't part, call it a tie. the The other part of this is the players for the Bills have now had time to kind of uh, process process what all has happened, and the fact that uh, that their guy is looking like he's making a recovery he he has not died it doesn't sound like he is like only verge of death so they've had a chance to process and uh, you know i i think that game will be played and i, I believe the bills will kind of have a, a clear head after they just get a little bit of time to kind of process what happened and then they'll get this game played i agree so where would it be scheduled uh, I would I would assume back in Cincinnati, but I, I don't know that. I don't mean I would when, assume. when the timeline. When would when would they squeeze it in? Uh, we we would have to we'll have to come up with that, Steve. We do need to let you go because we need to hit another okay. break here. But uh, right. I I hear you. So my time is up. I always thank you for your time, guys. I'm more deserving than I've earned it. So until next time, y'all have a safe afternoon and evening. And I hope to gosh I don't have to go to any Maylocks <laughs> or Pepsi Bismol tonight. So talk to you more, guys. Have a safety new war eagle. Appreciate the phone call as always. That's retired Ward AMC joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We've got to hit our final break of hour number one. More sports call right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back. Just a couple minutes left here in hour number one of this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here. We 
appreciate retired Ward AMC for calling us on our Auburn Bank phone line. That was on the other side of this break. The last thing he left us with was what they do about the schedule and how they proceed towards the postseason. And I think that is the multi-billion dollar question now uh, for the National Football League as it moves on from this tragic occurrence. Uh, With just a couple minutes left in the hour, uh, what are uh, you guys' thoughts on on what needs to happen, what will happen here in these uh, final days of the regular season? Right. I I just – I don't – my biggest thing is I don't know when the game is going to be played, right? Because after the end of the regular season, we go straight into the playoffs and how that goes, and that schedule has its own implications. And, I mean, I guess you could move it all back, right? And then that would take away a week, that that dead period week between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, which, I mean, you know, I, I, I guess that's fine, but I think you want to give those teams to time to – prep for the biggest game of the year and you can't move the super bowl back because of how how everything i mean you can't move that game back that's the biggest game of the year for the league right um so it's going to be interesting to when they can play the game because the game does have to be played we talked about you know the there's a lot of implications on this game just between those two teams in in the conference in the afc that was that was such a big matchup um and teams trying to win their divisions uh, need that game. Uh, I, you said the Bengals, I think, need that game to win their division. Um, and uh, the Bills need that game to lock up the one seed, correct? Well, I mean, they well, we'll see how Week 18 results right, go. Right. But it's a part of their equation. So for, for everyone uh, to hear this, Kansas City and Buffalo entered last week with the same record. Buffalo beat Kansas City. Buffalo will be the number one overall seed if they win out, if they get to play all their games. If they don't ever play the Cincinnati game, they can't be the one seed because they'll finish with one less win than Kansas City, so Kansas City would be the one seed. The scenarios for Cincinnati is they actually lock up the division by not playing that game okay. because they have two less losses than Baltimore. They're 11-4, right, and right. Four, Baltimore's 10-6. and six. Gotcha. If they lost that game and dropped to 11-5, and five, Baltimore could then beat them next week or this weekend, and Baltimore wins the division because they'll have the tiebreaker. Right. They'll have swept head them. Head, head. But right. if if Cincy and Buffalo never play that game, Baltimore can't win the division. Now that would that part of it would be very mute if uh, Cincinnati can win this weekend. That that part of it would not play into uh, aspect. But the Cincinnati Buffalo game what could affect the seating just between those two teams, right. even regardless of what Kansas City does and uh, and all of that. So you're talking about seeds one through three could be four different possibilities because not only could it be you know the the Cincinnati. Uh, Kansas City and Buffalo scenario, it could involve Baltimore if they were to somehow win this weekend. Right. And so there's, I mean, four teams it affects here yeah. and pretty greatly uh, for this postseason. And you're right, Cam. I mean, obviously it's not happening this week. They're going to play these Week 18 games first. And, I, and another thing here, here is you've got to play pretty much in a whole entire football game. I mean, that was yeah. mid-first quarter or yeah. late-first quarter uh, with it being 7-3 to Cincinnati. So how do you give I, the players the recovery time to play? I, I again. I don't know. I don't know. I I think that. And then they have to go. I into think the I'm playoffs. not paid to make this decision. No, what that's I think. that's tough. That's really really tough. I mean, that's but, so much logistical yeah. hoops you have to jump through. I really think that they're going to end up moving everything back 
right? Moving everything a week back. The playoffs start a week or later. Or maybe they, they just do. don't ever play it. If they, uh, I was going to say. I they, mean, that's not what I prefer to right, have happen, I but just, maybe that's what they have to do because what, the game ends in a tie? Well, 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 here's the thing is. Games do end in ties. Games do end in ties, but... And they could call that just a, a draw. It's a, it's a tough situation, and, and we'll, we'll get Joe's thoughts on it here in the 5 o'clock hour coming up. But uh, it is certainly worth bantering about, again, once we move on from the human aspect of it and the life aspect of it. Some tough football decisions, tough business decisions to make on the back end of this, that's for sure. Out of time for hour number one and hour number two, we'll talk Auburn basketball and a little college football news. Guess who's the Texas A&M offensive coordinator? We'll tell you that and more next. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two getting underway of Sports Call here on this Wednesday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this beautiful afternoon. Fun first hour spent uh, most of that time talking to retired Ward AM Steve on the Auburn Bank phone line and talking a little bit about the DeMar Hamlin situation, both his health and the uh, the difficulties that the league will face here in the aftermath of scheduling here at the very end of the 2022-2023 season. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about that with Joe Bartle here at 5 at 15 coming up in just a little bit over an hour. I teased it before break and uh, I did tease Auburn basketball. We will get to them in a little while. But I want to talk a little football here on the show. And I want to talk all things Texas A&M uh, for a little bit uh, because it is, uh, it's a situation there. So uh, at tease before break, they have a new offensive coordinator. His name is Bobby Petrino. You might have heard of him. Um, he had taken the UNLV uh, OC job. He was at Missouri State last year as the head coach, nearly beat Arkansas, which would have been uh, significant, uh, and then decided he was going to go back to the FBS in whatever form or fashion he could do that in and went to UNLV for, I don't know, five minutes and is now going to Texas A&M as the OC to join a staff led by Jimbo Fisher with the defensive coordinator who is uh, DJ Durkin. So this is a wonderful collection of a staff, uh, and I mean that very facetiously. So what do you make, fellas, of uh, Bobby Petrino back in the Southeastern Conference and just this move by, by Jimbo Fisher overall? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think Jimbo Fisher saw that he needed to do something. Uh Bobby Petrino is still one of the top offensive minds out there. Yes. So, 
As far as just as far as it goes of getting a really good offensive mind into College Station and apparently turning the play calling over to him, I think it's great. Now, Bobby Petrino was a person. I I think it's great. <laughs> I I wouldn't want anything to do with him. But you know, whatever. Uh, How old is he? Is he about sixty or so now? He's got he's got he's got to be on up there. Uh, he's just been such a significant name in the coaching circle sure. for two decades now, right? right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, like I said, I he's think sixty-one, sixty-one. I, I think it's a good move for Jimbo as far as bringing in a top-notch offensive mind to try to get things going in the right direction there because they, they obviously don't have any problem bringing in talent. Now, hanging on to talent is a whole different thing, which we're going to get into with the transfer portal and how many players have left certain teams. So it's a matter of keeping them and keeping them out of trouble, but they've obviously been able to get the talent there, just can't do anything with it. So you bring in a really good offensive mind to hopefully get that offense steered in the right direction. I just don't like Bobby Petrino on a personal level. And and, and it, it also it doesn't even have anything to do with uh, his issues at Arkansas with all that. I, I just know his time here at Auburn as the offensive coordinator – Burned a lot of bridges uh, at the university and within the community, and uh, I I just personally wouldn't have anything to do with the guy. Yeah, I mean, an interesting hire as a person. We all, I think, we can all agree that he's an awful person. Um, but I mean, I guess you got to make the moves that you got to make if you're Jimbo Fisher. You can kind of say the same thing about Auburn when it came to Hugh Freeze and that kind of situation where you know you might not like him as a person but you like him so much on the field that you're willing to concede that that thought you know and make that move uh so it seems like uh jimbo fisher was willing to make that move and so here we are he's back in the sec calling plays and uh hopefully able to you know fix texas a&m's offense because they were not good last year at all and uh jimbo giving up the play calling and everything so it, it's just something that i guess they felt last year was bad enough to where they felt that this move was something that was absolutely necessary and so here we are well it was indeed a bad year oh yeah <laughs> um, so I, I i definitely think it was bad enough in that regard the if we're just taking this at face value of the on the on the field stuff uh Petrino is a wonderful mind, as you guys agree. Good offensive guy. However, and this is this is not a problem unique to him. I mean, there's two sides of this equation. Right. But the personalities of Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino working together <laughs> uh, seems and, potentially problematic and, as well. And DJ Durkin, for that matter. Right, as the D.C., uh, I just I don't know how much they will clash uh, because I mean Dirk and I, I I don't really factor that much into that equation. He has his own <laughs> not great personal things as well. Right. Uh, but just I'm talking about on the field. Given tough. that Jimbo Fisher works a lot with offense, given that Bobby Petrino has been a successful head coach, given that he has uh, a pretty you know certain way of doing things, yeah. and just him working with Fisher. It might be fine, right. uh, but it also might be explosively not fine. Right. And I, I think, though, for Texas A&M, I'm not going to slam this higher overall because they knew they had to swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to swing hard right now because 
as we talked about going into the offseason, if we were debate we were debating on, on if as many people were, if Fisher was going to be retained and, right. or if he should be fired and that sort of thing. And it's like if he doesn't work, and ultimately that's where we're headed, it looks like Fisher is not going to work. What does A and M do? Because yeah, again, they, they're they, in such a deep hole. They they've had multiple reasons that they should have succeeded. And that they found constant ways not to. They had uh, it started with Kevin Sumlin. They had this wonderfully talented, electric, fun to watch quarterback in Johnny Manziel. They won nothing of significance with Johnny Manziel. He right. won in Heisman. He was fun. They won nothing uh, that they wanted to win. Yep. And then Kevin Sumlin deteriorated. What did not go well. And, and then they go get this big name head coach. I mean, at the time, you're thinking of not more than five people with better reputations in the coaching world than Jimbo Fisher, a national champion, and, and this, that, and the other. A lot of double-digit win seasons at Florida State. So they pay him just gobs of money. And slow at first. They have a really good 2020. They only lose once. They make this New Year's Six Bowl. They beat North Carolina. That's what we're talking about if you're a Texas A&M fan. And then they're just launching in this gobs of money again, not just Jimbo Fisher, but to uh, get these high-profile recruits. And they have one of the most talented classes ever. And this leads me to my next point. This is just a referendum on Texas A&M football. This was from On3 Sports yesterday. Most transfers out. So programs with the most players transferring out of their program so far. So far. Okay, this is not May. This is still January. There's time for more. Texas A&M has 27 players Sheesh. transferring out right now. 27. Guys, that is an entire recruiting yeah, class worth of players yep. that is saying peace out. Now, I know not all 27 are off of last year's class, but a lot of them are. And again, 27 players. That quick math, that's a third that of their class. scholarships almost, right. right? I mean, unless any of these guys I mean, are walk-ons. That's, that's a full offense and defense. That's I, well, I was going to say, that is, that is a full starting. <laughs> yeah. Full unit of players. That's a full unit of players. You can add a kicker, punter, long snapper, holder in there, too. Uh, <laughs> it all, it all, geez, it's, I mean, man. it's unbelievable. And so I kind of, I, I, on some, I don't respect the person, but I respect the need to do something different. If you're Jimbo Fisher, uh, something ain't working, and I got to find someone that knows football to fix it. Right. And that's sometimes coaches' biggest downfalls is they're too stubborn or too resistant to change. And <coughs> look, <Gosh Nelson. laughs> and, and listen, I don't think that this is ultimately going to end in Jimbo Fisher being the coach here, seven, uh, coach at a m seven or eight more years. I don't. But he at least recognized, I got to go get someone that can coach – and I got a lot of fix, lot to fix here. And I know they brought in another decent class, certainly not number one class this year, but they're bringing in another pretty respectable class. But twenty-seven transfers out. Yeah, that's a lot of turnaround. That's a lot of turnaround, and I didn't realize it was that many. And I, I, I did see that there were eleven from the class from this high-profile yeah, class. So almost that, half that. So class almost is gone. half of that class is gone. Um, Man, that that's a lot, and that I, that's just going to be something to watch and see if this team is even going to really improve, right? Because they're losing so many players, and I'm sh- obviously we're sure probably not all of them are starters, right? But again, a lot of five stars, a lot of a lot of freshmen and sophomores yeah, that will freshmen. be starters for someone exactly. else, juniors and seniors. Yep, and that's something that you don't want to see. Um, yeah, that uh, that's just. 
I'll have to say on it. That's that's gonna be interesting. So, and I want to keep going down this list. So this is not just a uh, uh, rain on Texas A and M uh, fifteen minute segment here. I want to keep going down this list of most transfer outs because this list um, is a pretty who's who list of big programs or programs struggling right here. And A&M is not the only SEC program here in the top 10. There, there's the top 10 most transfer outs thus far. Uh, Florida this quarter cycle <laughs> tied for second Florida's with 22. Florida, yeah, that makes sense. And Arkansas, Arkansas, that's not that is surprising. That's a Florida's little surprising. Not, yeah, Florida was not surprising. Arkansas is, but I'll tell you why this is still um, pretty eye opening. Is Auburn just went through this between year one and year two of a coach that was not off to yeah, a good start. Right, right, right. It's not very good for Florida to look on here. And see Billy Napier have a pretty rough first year, get run in the bowl game by Oregon State. I think six and seven year, right? I think they were six and six and then right. lost Oregon State. Right. And now they're tied for second most transfers out with 22. Again, 22, all, pretty much a full class of players yeah. out. And look, Florida, they're, they're going down an interesting road right now, too, because Florida, to me, is a top 10 job mm-hmm. in terms of resources. Yeah. In terms of recruiting, location, a, ability name, to win. Yeah. I mean, like that feels like the expectations are high. Don't get me wrong, and that and that can kind of hurt any any great job because there's a lot of pressure. But you're in one of the top two or three, maybe the best recruiting state, at least top two yeah, or three Florida. with Texas and California. Yeah. You, you you've got a location that people want to be. You're in the best conference. You're a program that's won uh, what three national championships in the last 25, 30 years because yeah. of Spurrier and Urban Meyer. Like, you know you can succeed. A lot of pro players right now in the league from Florida. And you, you've you had to fire multiple coaches this decade. Mm-hmm. Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, uh, and, and Dan Mullen, who I thought was going to work out. Uh, I was just wrong. I thought Dan Mullen would be really good there. And now they're on their fourth coach in the last, like I said, eight, nine, ten years. And... That's not. That doesn't look good. That's a. That's another bad look. Yeah. And the the other thing here too is, they're just getting whooped in recruiting by Miami right now. Miami's not any good no. on the field, but they're whipping them in you, recruiting. Man. That name brand. I mean, I know Florida's Florida, but Miami is Miami. Well, my, Miami. Uh, they're they're beating them in recruiting, and Miami just announced the plans for a multi-million dollar seven-story facility right facility i did see that that that, that is gonna be start. so now they're already beating them in recruiting and now they're gonna get that to add to what they're doing how long is that gonna take probably probably two three years right probably yeah, yeah. I, I mean but so, see but, if napier <laughs> gets to use it yeah. right or i'm sorry you're yeah, talking well, about yeah, miami, miami. Talking about, uh, Ball, uh, to be fair Ball. Ball had a bad first year see right. if he gets to use it but yeah. uh so again florida that's a rough look Arkansas is a weird look. I don't know what's going on there, being tied for second. I know they had a disappointing year, but it's kind of a heartbreaking year because right. just things just didn't – it wasn't out. that they were awful. They just had everything go against them. Jefferson got banged up. They had the field goal doink against Texas A&M. Right. Just had some things just flat out not work out for them. Kind of feels like that Texas A&M game was a, a turning point. Right, yeah, really kind of screwed them up. Yeah. Uh, let's continue down this list. I'll go ahead and get, read you everything else, and you can take from, from it what you will. Fourth is Arizona at 20. Fit, tied for fifth is Miami, who we just mentioned, at 18 with Jackson State. 
I wonder why. Yeah, right. Surprise, surprise. Uh, next up is Stanford. They've got 17. Okay. Cal, Ole Miss, Oregon, and Arizona State all have 16. So, again, okay. another SEC school, Ole Miss, who Lane Kiffin as the, quote, portal king, 16 in the portal from Ole Miss. Hmm. So, what do you take from the rest of that list? I, oh. it, it, you know, it's it, some of them are some of them are not surprising. I mean, Arizona, Stanford, uh, Stanford Arizona, not surprising. Arizona State, Arizona State. <laughs> some of those, I I get it because those are not known football programs. And I mean, if you become successful at one of those, you're probably going to want to go somewhere where you can get the better NIL deal and things like that. When you start talking about SEC schools and guys bolting from there, uh, it, it makes you. It makes you wonder what's going on internally, and that's my big thing that I take away from the Arkansas being so high. Is you know, it seemed like they were absolutely in love with the, yeah. with the head coach there, and the, and the fans were in love with it, and, and just everything seemed to be great. When you have that many players leave that program, though, it makes you wonder how much do they actually really like the guy, and how much stuff behind closed doors is going on that those guys are not liking that they're wanting to stick around in Fayetteville. Um, so I don't know. Um, some of those are interesting and the, uh, the Ole Miss thing, I, I can kind of see that, uh, again, Ole Miss, after those, after those rumors with Kiffin coming to Auburn, it just kind of seems like Ole Miss, I mean, they just, team, they, they just they got did. completely derailed. They, they right? took a, They took a nosedive and, uh, but uh, again, uh, Ole Miss is one of those and, and I'm sorry if there's any Ole Miss fans listening out there, but it's just the reality of things. You are a mid to low tier SEC program. You're a, a your tailgating is great. Yeah, I love it. Your your tailgating in the Grove is wonderful. <laughs> but fan base is you. But compared to the rest of the SEC, you're in a mid to low tier town. You're at a mid to low tier school. You're at a mid to low tier program. That's just the reality. Mid to low tier state. That is just the reality of Ole Miss. And you can say the same thing for Mississippi State as well because um, you just mentioned it, the state. Um, and so I can understand some players leaving there for greener pastures. Now, if a guy leaves Ole Miss and goes to Arizona, <laughs> then I'm like, okay, well, that's seems di- Yeah, maybe maybe they're from out there. Yeah. That, that- well, yeah, but if, if, if the dude from if – the, if the five-star recruit from – Bill Glades, Florida, that decided to go Ole Miss, leaves and goes to Arizona. Then you're like, right. okay, wait, what? I don't what's going on? Going on yeah. yeah. So it, it also depends on where these guys end up landing, and I guess that's a that's more that telltale sign. I mean, if they leave Ole Miss or leave Arkansas or some of these and go to Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State or Michigan, yeah, I get it. You want to play for a natty. You're probably but, not. You're not going to play for a natty at Arkansas. You're not going to play for a natty at Ole Miss. You're, you're just not. Not maybe not, in two years though. Yeah. Once you you could get in the playoff at least. Sure. I'm not saying Ole Miss would win a national sure. championship, but I'm you saying twelve play team playoff. But yeah, you could play for some meaning. And you and maybe, but I think on talent wise overall, you're not going to get to that level. You're just I just don't see that happening. And so. Uh, it would depend on where the guys that leave, where they land. That that would be my biggest thing. Uh, now, like I said, if you just have guys belling and just landing wherever I can, I just need to get the hell out of town and go somewhere else, then that's going to lead me to believe that there's there's problems going on but on the inside, see, which is like what was happening here at Auburn where I, you had guys leaving to go to 
I get it. Some guys went to Central Florida to join Gus. Right. To go I, back to the I get that. guy but who you had, them. But you had other guys leaving. You had a guy leave Auburn to go to Ole Miss. You know, yeah. The, those I are mean, thing, those are things that lead that lead to where you can say there are some general problems going on when you have guys leaving to go to lesser programs. Then there's problems if they leave to go to a team that is a you know perennial national champion. Okay, but see, Tom, that that's what I'm thinking though is not going on here because we're not hearing about Ole Miss's top players transferring. We're talking about. Right. Like a lot of these other schools now, Texas A&M's got some bigger guys going because right. they were very well hyped high school kids. But you know, Ole Miss has not recruited high school overly well. I mean, they they've uh, they've been in the twenties and thirties type of deal, and so I I think this is still just more of those depth guys. They and, just want to see the field, right? And younger guys, which again, it's still, in my opinion, I mean, it's it's. It's more or less concerning because it would be less concerning because they're not guys that are contributing right now for you. But it's more concerning because you're not able to keep guys that you were relying right, on in the future. Yeah. And, you know, we're not hearing about Jackson Dart transfer. We're not hearing about Quinshawn Judkins leaving or anything like that. But, you know, it's still the sheer numbers of it all start to become a factor. And like I said, Ole Miss didn't exactly have a banger of a high school class. They might recover some of this in the portal. They might end up with one of the top portal classes, and it won't be a huge deal for them. But the stress on the program to continually have to make up for 16, 18, 20 guys that are transferring out like these programs are, uh, it's a – it's a new dawn. It's yeah. a new day. I mean, <laughs> Where? That, 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 that's the deal here is you've got a lot of t- roster turnover and a lot of holes to plug if you're a lot of different schools. I so w- I wonder where Alabama was in that in that ranking. Um, I'm curious just to see how many transfer outs they had. Because, I mean, they had a few when it, when it was initially announced. You know, they had a few relatively decent, I mean, large names, you know, big names that said that they were leaving. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, uh, that's something to think about. Um, kind of back to the Florida, just touching, kind of coming around full circle here. Um, I think, you know, Billy Napier, I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think we can kind of all agree that he's a good coach and you want to see him be able to build this program at Florida up. Um, I, I think they're just going through a little bit of a culture change. You know, kind of the same thing that Auburn did, but I think Billy Napier is going to be successful, whereas Harson was not. Um, I, I think he's just kind of getting re- weeding out some guy. Like even their their top pass rusher was dismissed from the team this year, like halfway through the season. Um, a really talented—I can't remember the guy's name—but really talented guy. Their top top defensive end dismissed from the team due to I think just some. Um, just some disciplinary things um, and, you know, obviously didn't play for the rest of the season. So things like that, I think, you know, I think he was just kind of trying to change some things within the program internally with some of the players that were already on the roster. Um, and it's not, I, I wonder what, what you got? I, I, I'm going on three right now. Yeah. Uh, I've clicked the link that I, I, I saw in this and on three does a really good job. Here. They do. I'm, I'm, falling in love as we speak they they've got a transfer in and transfer out tab here oh that's beautiful uh so you know how many kids these schools are bringing in right now versus how many are losing florida has 22 transferring out we mentioned that right. they've only got four in Ooh. right now in the portal bama i found it they're they're not far off of that top yeah. 10 list 
They've got 14 yeah. transferred out. Yeah. They've only got one in right now, although it is a big one. But I um, – and A&M, A&M, 27 transferred out so far. Two oh, transferring in. Goodness. Now, again, they, these can be a the bit deceiving because right. there'll be three more months to go, and A&M will end up adding eight to ten kids probably of, of varying degrees at least. But uh, as of now, when you're minus 25 players – Oh, good. good, but I will say about Napier to to your point, Cam. I, I personally, I I don't know what kind of coach he is. Uh, I know he did a good job at Louisiana. Uh, I think there's a difference between good in the Group of Five and good versus the Power right. Five because we've Agreed. seen that story over and over For again. Sure. Um, but what is interesting and in how quickly this thing can turn about people's impression impressions and Tom mentioned this with with Sam Pittman. Although I still love Sam Pittman, but 22 transfers makes you wonder. Um, there were LSU people when Napier got hired to Florida mm-hmm. that were very upset that LSU let him go to Florida because LSU, I don't think they hired Kelly before they hired Nap- uh, before right. Florida hired Napier, and they were like, "You just let our Louisiana guy walk." Mm-hmm. That should have been the hire. Mm-hmm. LSU people were not happy at first, right? And now I think they're fine. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah. I think LSU's okay now. Kelly got um, a ten-win season in his first year, like. And a, and a, with a, and a West, skeleton roster, and a West, ti- West title, yeah. So I mean, I would, yeah. Things can happen fast in athletics. We do know that, they but can. Uh, this transfer portal, we'll continue to monitor it again. Good tool here on on three. You see transfers in, transfers out, adjusted NIL value, a lot of good stuff yeah. on the website. When we come back, we're giving away Auburn women's basketball tickets, and we'll talk Auburn men's basketball just over an hour. Tip from Athens. Stay tuned to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here this Wednesday afternoon. Good conversation on the transfer portal. Going to break the news that that will not be the last time we talk about the transfer portal. Auburn trying to schedule some visits with some transfers right now. I believe they got an Alabama offensive line visiting, offensive lineman visiting this weekend too. And uh, we were just talking about just the plethora of transfers coming out of some of these SEC schools, mainly Texas A&M, Florida, and Arkansas. 334-887-3401 are the numbers to call us, and those numbers are important because right now we're going to give away two tickets to Auburn women's basketball as they play Alabama this Sunday in Neville Arena. That's Auburn and Alabama this Sunday in Neville Arena women's basketball. Two tickets can be yours if you are the first one to call us, 334-887-3401. Again, 334-887-3401. Two tickets to Auburn and Alabama women's basketball this Sunday 
in Neville Arena can be yours if you call us right now. So we uh, would love to send you to that Auburn and Alabama game. Again, it is a ticketed event, so two free tickets here for you uh, to Auburn and Alabama this Sunday, again, at 334-887-3401. Let's talk a little Auburn men's team now as we're just about an hour away from tip-off in Athens uh, between Auburn and Georgia. And the Tigers coming off a win in the midweek last week against Florida. Uh, they were able to win a 61-58 to contest against the Gators, a game that I feel strongly that they might not have been able to pull out if they were on the road. Oh, now, no. now, <laughs> now they go to uh, an SEC opponent in Georgia. Georgia 10-3. and Again, they have not played a conference game this year. Their uh, notable wins are against St. Joseph's, and I believe they beat one ACC team. I think it was Notre Dame. They and, did. And then their losses are to Wake Forest, uh, to uh, Georgia, Tech. Georgia Tech and UAB. So what do we think of this matchup between these two teams, uh, Auburn and Georgia? Uh, so the, the first thing is you got to try – you got to win one on the road. And if you're going to win one on the road this year, this is one that it's a gettable game. Yeah. Uh, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, Georgia, yeah, I mean, Mike White's done a great job with them. They still have Cario Oquendo, who scored 25 points on, on Auburn last year in, in that near upset. So they're going to have to – Auburn's going to have to stop him. Um, I, I don't know who they're going to put on him to try to stop him, but they need to try to slow him down. But the biggest thing is for Auburn is they're going to have to shoot the ball, and they're going to have to shoot the ball in an in a unfamiliar environment. They did great doing that against Washington. Mm-hmm. But we've seen this team time and time again have trouble shooting the ball at home, but especially on the road. And we always talk about the different backdrop and just the line of sight and different things like that. Those are a real factor when you go into another gym and you're trying to shoot. And Auburn shoots a lot from outside. And so that's going to be – uh, that is going to be something they're going to have to try to limit – how much it affects them and, yeah. and have to start knocking down some shots. And then the other thing is Janai Broom just needs to still keep playing at the level he's been the last week. The dude's been absolute flat-out balling. He needs to keep it up. Yeah. Uh, I, I think um, I think Auburn needs to play inside out. And just I think if, if that's not self-explanatory, basically meaning Auburn needs to work and play on the inside – Go to their strengths. Use their big men. Use Janai. Use you know. Use Jalen Williams. You know. Use Dylan and work on the inside. Get get those matchups because I think Auburn will be able to capitalize on those matchups in the first place, um, and then that will open up and make the shots on the outside easier. Uh, the team has overall been kind of taking less threes per game because they haven't been making them and they've been more aggressive moving towards the inside, which is why I think Janai Broom has been having the games that he's been having because they've been working more to the inside. Um, I mean, I think this game will come down to defense, and, and Auburn's defense, we already know, is, is pretty good. Um, and just taking smart shots overall. I, I think that to, w- to win away games, you have to take smart shots. Uh, you can't forget that last year Auburn was up by 20 points Um at one point against Georgia in, in Stegman and they almost lost that game. I mean, I mean, you know, Georgia came all the way back and, um, and, uh, that game came down to a, a last second layup by, uh, 
by Wendell to, to close that game out, and it was a very crazy, crazy game. So you got to stay – just you, you beat this team already. You've beat this team by 20 before, and you've it's a differently coached team. I think the pace will be a little bit different. If you can play at your pace, if Auburn plays at their own pace, then they'll be fine because Georgia just plays so slow in general, right? Um, and if they just keep going – Playing fast, getting turnovers, creating um, creating mismatches, and and again, like I said, working on the inside, they'll be able to be successful, and uh, I, I I think they'll be able to win by you know closer to ten to fifteen points if if they can work on the ins work inside out, um, stay disciplined on defense, not get into foul trouble. I think that's also something we want we want to work on, um, and uh, yeah, take smart shots. Let's, uh, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Keith from Auburn. Keith joins us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing doing wonderful, guys. And uh, congratulations, Ryan, on uh, on your new uh, your new title there. I, I know you don't do an outstanding job. Uh, you're following a legend, though. So <laughs> I am. Stay with it. But you got Tom alongside you in there today? Yep. Okay. I'm here. You got Tom and Cam with me. And, Keith, I do appreciate yep. that. Good deal. Good day. I'm excited for you, and I know everybody else is as well. Hey, a couple of quick questions. I've got a. What time does the Auburn men play tonight? Five thirty. Five thirty. Yeah, so about fifty minutes. Oh, oh, that's early. Yeah, I may not get done with my work. I might have to pick it up a little bit. Then. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. You know, staying down here in Troy during the week, uh, I've become a. Um, you know, I get bored when I get sitting around by myself so i have to find stuff to do uh, i like to read so obviously i read but uh so staying only about four minutes from uh troy arena uh i visit it quite frequently and watch uh, the troy women's uh basketball team play and the men's so i've, I've seen uh, a lot of their home games so far and uh how are they the, looking uh, Pretty good, you know. I think the boys are a couple of games over five hundred. The girls are right around five hundred. I know the girls played a pretty uh, brutal uh, preseason, or what. I know they went on the West Coast swing. Sure. Uh, but I, I think year four last year in the NCAA tournament, I actually uh, got to meet. Uh, well, you know, there's not a ton of folks that go to Troy men's and women's basketball. Okay. So sure. I normally get the set like on the front row, you know. I, I buy my ticket and it's, it's like twenty five dollars, and you can set courtside, not not down there on the court, but you know, right sure. there, first row up in the, the stands. But uh, but anyway, uh, I met Coach. Uh, oh my goodness! Now I can't think of his name. He's the head football coach at Pike Road High School there in you know in, in Montgomery County. Uh, Rigby, Coach Rigby. His wife is the women's basketball coach at Troy. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got to got to sit with him. Uh, or he sat right behind me uh, last week, the women's game, and got to meet him. Great, great guy. Seemed like a great family. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time watching uh, watching the boys and the, the girls play. The women uh, about I think they're five hundred. So, but she's made a couple of uh, NCAA tournaments here recently, I mm -hmm. believe, and, and and a few NITs, probably more NITs than NCAA's. You know, the guys 
Man, I, I watched him play against, I, I want to say it was Campbell. You know, I know y'all talk about the Campbell <laughs> oh, uh, Campbell's. football <laughs> team all season. Uh, I think it's Campbell. Now, I'm not going to swear to that. Uh, it was a good ball game. And and uh, I want to say Campbell ended up winning that game. Uh, went into overtime, I think. Might even went into two overtimes. I can't remember, but it was a pretty exciting game. But anyway, yeah, I get to uh, enjoy that. And, uh, you know, I, one of the reasons I called, I was hoping to, be a caller and uh and then i got a couple of tickets so i'm gonna carry my uh my granddaughter and i'll probably buy a couple of general mission tickets and let my wife and my grandson we all four went last time that i i, I got some tickets from you guys and uh listen uh my little my little granddaughter not to be bragging now she's three years old and she's just as cute as she can be mm-hmm. she made the big screen you know what i'm saying oh they yeah honed in on her and she thought that was the greatest thing and of course, KB and Kalani both got to meet Albie, uh, so they were real excited about that as well. So we're looking forward to that Sunday, and appreciate you guys giving out tickets like that and, and offering them to people. Uh, so the two I got to go to great use. I, I can promise you that. Absolutely, but, uh, well, we love to hear that. To, uh, hey, let me make sure. And, and uh, I hadn't. I think I texted JJ and maybe congratulated him, or I don't remember what I did. But now he's staying local. Is that correct? Yes, he will. Uh, he okay. will be in Auburn in the in the months of uh, in the spring months, and he will be doing Auburn softball uh, when their season starts here in another okay. month or so, and do a little baseball and all, all those Auburn Sports Network stuff. He will continue to be doing. Okay, all right. So I, I kind of figured that you know I didn't ask him, and I don't know if y'all ever or he ever said on air, you know. Uh, and I wasn't trying to pick at it. We know that I just I thought I heard him say that he would be around, or maybe you guys said he would be around. So I just kind of assumed that probably he would be with the university uh, doing some stuff. So that, that's that's great for him. I know uh, uh, he's worked hard to get to where he's at. So uh, you know, it's just a big old family. Um, yes, sir. I missed Steve uh, earlier today. I was collecting from a few clients, so I wasn't able to hear him talk. But I always enjoy listening to him. Uh, but anyway, guys, uh, I do appreciate you taking my phone call. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's going to be – it looks like Alabama basketball's uh, in pretty good hands right now. They, they've got a pretty, pretty good ball team. Uh, absolutely, but, uh, yeah. But, you know, SEC guys, you know, I, I heard y'all talking about Auburn going on and playing Georgia. And talent-wise, I'm sure Auburn's probably better than Georgia. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But it's so freaking hard. To win on the road in the SEC. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Big you can go hard. 500 in the SEC and win your home games, you're probably going to win the you know, the, the regular season or, or come close to it. Sure. You know, you're going to be right there at the top. But, uh, you know, they'll be fine. I, we went over, me and my son went over to uh, Hoopsgiving. Uh, yeah, in Atlanta. That whole, yeah, that whole ordeal over there. And we, we missed the first game because we didn't want to get up that early. But uh, we saw – uh, LSU and I think Wake Forest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course we watched Auburn and Memphis, and I forget the last game. Was it not Tulane? I, I can't remember who played. But anyway, it was a great environment. I mean, that was really fun to do. We really enjoyed it. You know, I'd encourage people next year. Me and my youngest son's going to make that a, a full time program. You know, for us to go over there each year. So. Yeah, and I know Auburn, uh, I think Auburn plans to continue to be a part of that. Bruce Pearl really likes stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Well, all right, guys, I'll uh, let y'all go. 
keep up the great work, and uh, I'll continue to listen and call in when I can. Yes, sir. Sounds good. We appreciate the phone call, Keith. Happy New Year. That is uh, Keith from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate Keith, and uh, he I hope he enjoys the uh, Auburn women's basketball game this weekend with his family. All right, let's take our final break of the second hour. More sports call coming up in just a moment. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me here today. Appreciate Keith from Auburn, who's working down in Troy, giving us a call there. He won those tickets to go and see Auburn women's basketball against Alabama on Sunday. Just a couple minutes left here in hour number two. Reminder, 5.15, chatting with Joe Bartle of Rotowire give his thoughts on the DeMar Hamlin situation. Also, uh, what to do about scheduling, and then a little fantasy basketball as well. Again, uh, we've loved talking to Joe all throughout the years and uh, about all things fantasy, and we will continue to do that. I wish I could get into fantasy basketball. It's just so much. Like it's not like fa- it's just it's not like fantasy football where you just can set your lineup for one week. You gotta set your lineup for like Each three day. times for a whole week. And that's just a lot, man. I played <laughs> fantasy basketball one time and I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep it up. I, yeah, I wouldn't like, be able to keep I, up. I couldn't that. do it. So you want me to fill you in on a little secret? You can I know you can play you can plan ahead if you do it for one day. Like you can well, you know, I don't like fantasy, right? Yes. Or at least I don't play it. Um, I was assistant GM on two of J.J. Jackson's uh, fantasy basketball teams, <laughs> uh, both of which finished second place in the league those uh, years. Um, and so uh, I was usually in charge of setting the lineup every day and uh, making – I was essentially the GM. He oh owned the team. I was the goodness GM. Goodness gracious. And uh, so I have played fantasy basketball before. Oh. And I can tell you that uh, we just – used to covet people like Demonis Sabonis. Just double-double oh, yeah. machine, yeah, machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a rational amount. Like, the, Sabonis was, like, better than, like, Steph Curry. Like, I bet, yeah. I bet, I bet Joker. Joker is an insane Yo, fantasy yeah. basketball. And I know, I, I've just seen it on Twitter, Giannis is a, is a high, high um, fantasy aspect, asset, um, as is Joel Embiid. Those are pretty high yeah. fantasy assets because they put up a lot of points and then they'll give you the rebounds and a few assists. But I know, I know, Joker gets, and I'm sure Luca probably gets. A See, the lot. disciplines are very different in football. You have to make roster decisions and based off of who they're playing, how hot right. they are, and that sort of thing. Basketball is more of a war of attrition in fantasy, and mm-hmm. you need to just be on top of who's playing and when. And if someone now in this age where everyone's load managing and 
could be out with a right. you know sucking their thumb for a day <laughs> or something you know like like for you know LeBron he's had two forty point Rest. nights and then he's kind of <laughs> kind of sick tonight or something yeah. I don't know and he's not playing illness and it's like well. I mean, you got to be on top of that. So you could set the lineup three weeks in advance and then load management get you. Uh, so kind of a war of attrition there. But we'll talk to Joe here at 515. And, again, we'll try and get off air right after that interview. We know Auburn basketball will be starting at 530 in Athens. If you want to flip over at 5 o'clock here, listen to their pregame show uh, with Brad Law, Andy Bertram, and uh, Sonny Smith uh, from Athens. That is going to be on FM Talk 93.9 at 5 o'clock. Of course, we would love for you to stay here. We will – uh, talk a little bit. We will preview that game because, heck, why not? Uh, a little bit more to start hour number three. And again, like I said, we'll have uh, Joe Bartle on um, at, at 515. So winding down here this second hour, uh, good stuff as far as the college football transfer portal stuff. Again, I'm really down for the on three way of laying it out. I'm going to be those. very curious to yeah. see those teams have like 20 transfers right now that only have like three or four coming in they can at least even those numbers out and i know that they've got the high school kids to come in too but uh yeah i mean you still lost players to the draft and and uh to graduation you don't you don't right. just lose the players transferring yep. so uh it'd be very interesting to see just some sheer roster numbers uh, for some of these teams like texas a&m that have lost 27 players to the portal just so far out of time in hour number two stick with us again like i said joe bartle at 515 of Roto-Wire. We'll also talk a little more Auburn basketball against Georgia coming up in hour number three. Ryan the boy, Kim Barry, and Tom Peavy stay with us. Hour number three on the other side of this break. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three underway on Sports Call today. Ryan LaVoy, Tom, PV, Cam, Barry with you here on this now Wednesday evening. Getting you set for Auburn men's basketball as they are in Athens, Georgia to take on the Georgia Bulldogs. Mike White's first SEC game as the Georgia Bulldogs head coach, formerly of the Florida Gators. Uh, the thing I thought about Mike White was that you always knew what to expect. They were going to be right in the middle of the pack in the SEC. They were going to uh, not score the basketball very well. Mm-hmm. They would defend well. Yep. Uh, they would win 65-62. to 62. They would lose double-digit games, but they would make the NCAA tournament. It was a little bit of <laughs> a 
a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Uh, usually with those Mike White teams at Florida, he's off to a 10-3 and start with Georgia, but again, without any SEC games. Hey, but a better turnaround than we've seen Georgia in the past. Yeah, already so, better than Tom Green's final I year, mean, too. Yeah. So, you know, hopes to make the tournament. That's that's good for Georgia and their program, considering what it has been in, in recent years. Um, and like you said, yeah, I mean, just towards the end of Tom Green's um, tenure there, not good at all. Um, so, I mean, all you have to do is beat, what, one SEC win? One as he's, I think that's oh, all they I had don't last year. I think last bad. year they it was, bad. it was very, very bad. They, I think they only had one SEC win, and they had a couple really bad losses and out of conference play. Um, so ten and three, great, a, a very good start to to that. Um, to uh, Mike White, name almost slipped my mind. Uh, Mike White's tenure there uh, as UGA's head coach, and um, yeah, a team that will defend well. Uh, you really have to worry. I mean, the main score that you really want to worry about is Cairo uh, Kendo. He's who beat you last time, and you you kind of want to stop that. But you said they also had another guy that averages fourteen point one points per game, or like fourteen even points yeah, per game. Terry Roberts. Terry Roberts. So that's another guy that seems that he can score the basketball pretty well. Uh, looks like he's their top assister. He averages four point four assists per game as well. So um, a he looks like to be a good point guard uh, a good just overall point guard and uh kendo seems to be the two guard and that that kind of slasher score type that he is um yeah it, it's going to be interesting to see i, I think uh it, it is going to be a good defensive battle I, I could i mean it looks like the general score um i mean auburn auburn averages 72 points per game uga averages 71 so uh very close in averaging points per game um defensive allowed um georgia only three points more than auburn um i think we'll be able to hold them though to you know about 60 points um and and that won't that that's kind of where you want to be able to end up uh, uh holding uh uga and if you can get up to 70 72 points 75 points that that would be the ideal win a good comfortable win is what you want here um to be able to to beat these dogs yeah, Georgia, uh, that 10-3 start. SEC teams and really just power conference teams in general uh, that, that start with those type of records are always very hard to predict what will happen uh, in their conferences play because a lot of times those two and three loss records are built off of a non-conference schedule full of mostly teams that are, are well below them. Right. And I take Mississippi State as an example because Mississippi State uh, has decided – after an 11-0 uh, start, to just get destroyed a couple of times yeah. uh, in, uh, since then. Uh, of course, last night they lost to Tennessee, oh, I don't know, by 34 points. They got locked 87-53. They lost to Bama 78-67, and the game before that was lost to Drake. So after their 11-0 start, they lost three in a row, and Mississippi State went from ranked to being like, I don't know if that will end up being a tournament team. And so that's that's the situation with a lot of these like 10, 11 win teams and non-con play is, well, they could be a 10 and 8 type of SEC team, make the tournament fine, no problem, be 8 and 10, 9 and 9 and be hovering around the bubble, or they just might be 6 and 12 and they're just going to NIT or worse. Yeah. They're just not going to be uh, factoring in the postseason. So we will see uh, about that. There was some interesting results in college basketball last night, though. Uh, of course, there were games in the Southeastern Conference. I alluded to that 
beat down for Tennessee over uh, Mississippi State. There were four games in the league last night. Vandy beat South Carolina in overtime uh, in that pillow fight, 84-79. Kentucky beat LSU 74-71. We were talking about that game a little bit on the show yesterday. We were surprised that Kentucky was favored by 10.5 in that game. Felt like a lot of respect for a team that uh, was coming in at 9-4 versus an LSU team that was coming off an Arkansas win. It was a very Mm -hmm. close game, but Kentucky, Kentucky did pull it out. And then Alabama had no problems at home against Ole Miss, 84-62. That's something that Keith talked about uh, as Alabama continues to look really good this year. Uh, and then just in the top 25 uh, in general, what a game. Uh, wow. And Austin uh, between a team that is going to be in the SEC in a couple of years here and Kansas State. What if I told you that in regulation, Dude, Texas I scored that. 103 points and they lost. And they lost by double digits because Kansas State won 116-103 in a regulation college basketball game in conference. Kansas State walks on the road to a top-10 team, scores a buck 16. I mean, I just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, And we also found out that we no longer have any undefeated teams uh, either because uh, New Mexico was the final one to drop last night. They lost Fresno State 71-67. So... Uh, that's the thing I love about college basketball is it's going to be an know, unpredictable you, year. You always you always get it throughout the week. You know, college football, you know what to expect. You're going to have all all of it happen on a Saturday, mm-hmm. but college basketball usually happens all week long. You have a yeah. lot of Tuesday games, a lot of Wednesday games. I know the ACC and Big Twelve like to have some Monday games, and then of course you have the Saturday and Sunday games. Big Ten's plays on Sunday sometimes, and I mean you really go all week long. Uh, Kansas had a close one with Texas Tech last night. Yep. Uh, number 11, Virginia loses to Pitt. That's Pitt's second consecutive top Dude. 25 win at home. They beat Carolina on the weekend. Uh, there was a lot of good stuff last night. Dude, a lot of great stuff. And just kind of coming back to this Texas-Kansas State game, Kansas State scored 58 points in both ha- in both halves. Nice. Uh, Texas, uh, after, the, after the first half, Texas um, was down almost 20 points. They were down 18 points. And scored 63 points in the second half. Obviously, not enough to overcome that that 18 point deficit that they were that they faced. Um, but I mean, when you have a guy, oh my gosh, they had a guy drop 28. Uh, talking about Kansas State, they had a guy drop 28. They had a guy drop 36. I mean, <laughs> as then, a team, <laughs> dude, that's as a team. Kansas State shot 60 percent from the from floor. the field, dude. <laughs> 54 heard of 54% from 3 unheard of and they shot 33 free throws and they made 31 93% free throws like that's that must be nice must be nice <laughs> right i mean that is really because the free throws I, I i i mean if that doesn't emphasize the significance of the importance of making your free throws as a team I mean, I don't know what else will. Uh, I mean, 30, 31 for 33, 93% from the, from the line. That is how you do it. No, not that <laughs> it is practical for teams to shoot 93% nope, all I mean, the time, but let me tell you the value in that. If you take that line right there, and now look, 33 free throws is a lot of free throws shooting one game, too, too. But let's take Auburn. Auburn shoots about 67% for the foul line. That would be about 22 of 33. 
They would have lost nine points compared to Kansas right. State if they shoot the exact same amount of free throws. That's what free throws can be worth. And obviously, this was a 13-point game, so that wouldn't have cost Auburn if they had gone. Or if Kansas State, for example, had gone 22-33 instead, they would have won by four. But that makes but it a lot closer game. But when you're on the road tonight yeah. and you're playing a, a game that you figure will be single digits and you shoot 25-30 free throws, which, again, that's a lot. But if you did, that, that's two, three possessions yeah. of points that you miss out on. Easily. If you shoot 66, 67% from the line like Auburn has been uh, the majority of this year. so And it's not even like Texas shot bad from the free throw line no. either. They went 22 for 26 and shot 84%. And they shot 40% from three. If you just showed me Texas's box score, I would say, man, yeah. they probably killed Kansas State. Right. They probably beat them by 30. No, they lost Both of, double digits. Yeah. I just can't fathom that. Both of their I wish I, guards almost dropped 30 themselves. I wish I would seen that game so I could have just observed right. what the defense of attempt was. If they stood there and let them just go, they're like, nah, I'm good. Or if they did they, actually give a good old college try right. on defense. Well, Texas is a relatively good defensive team, right? Are they not? I don't – I mean, yeah. I mean, with Chris Beard, I would have said yes. Chris Beard right. is sadly not there at the moment. Yeah. So – I wouldn't know what to expect. Right. Uh, the no. different kind of team probably. In general, a bit. yes. Right. But uh after after giving up one sixteen, ah, I'm gonna lean no. I don't know. <laughs> Not great. Uh but fun stuff in college basketball again. Auburn and Georgia coming up here. Now just under twenty minutes over on FM Talk ninety three point nine. We gotta get to what will be our final break of the show because on the other side we will talk to Joe Bartle of Rotowire, and then after Joe, we will wrap up the show, let you get to Auburn basketball. You are listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning Sports Call. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, or if you're listening after the fact to the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. We appreciate everyone out there for tuning in today. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday evening. And we're going to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line now because very special guest Joe Bartle joins the program again here in 2023. Joe, we've certainly appreciated our chats over the years, and uh, great to have you back here in 2023. I hope you're off to a very happy new year. Yeah, definitely happy new year. Hopefully uh, happy this week, too, with my Packers, hopefully uh, taking care of business against the Lions. I never would have guessed when we were doing these calls like a, a month and a half ago that I'd be saying positive news about the Packers other than their firing coordinator defensive Joe, uh, Joe Barry, but here we are. I mean, this, they're, they're poised for a shot at uh, making the seventh seed and possibly make a noise. Yeah, pretty much a winner-take-all game there between the uh, Lions, Joe, and uh, it's been crazy to watch them rebound, as you said, and doing it all sorts of ways. Of course, uh, Joe Bartle here of Roto-Wire. 
uh, does great work with fantasy football and uh, fantasy basketball, as we all know. And, and Joe, I want to start off, obviously, with the subject that's on everyone's minds in the NFL, uh, and we will go into the, the scheduling side of it second. But first, the human side of it, just a, a crazy scene Monday night uh, with the Chiefs and Bills and DeMar Hamlin. Just what were your thoughts when, when you saw that happen and just uh, any perspective uh, on that event? Yeah, I probably can't give uh, nearly as great as perspective. We've seen really post-Bengals-Bills game. Um, I think a lot of great people have handled things more eloquently than I can. Um, I, you know, I, we've been doing this a number of years. I don't handle grief all that well. It's, I would say, a character flaw for me. Um, it, it's something that you know I, I try to keep working on and being aware of. Uh, for the most part. So one that occurred, I think my brain immediately went to, I, I hope we didn't watch someone die. And, and and it's hard. It really puts into context. I do fantasy sports for a living, um, but these are real people. I know millions of people have already said that too. Uh, it, it was it was just a difficult thing. I, even today, we did the Wave Aware podcast. We didn't do it Tuesday. We normally do it for obvious reasons. Um, and it was hard. It was, it was hard to talk about in anything in a fun manner you know i it was just we got to do this here are the motions here's what's happening for week 18 and i don't know if that changes for me on sirius xm friday or talking with the playoffs even if my packers do make the playoffs just i i don't know what will make me feel better and i i kind of wonder if that's where a lot of people who enjoy football uh in america are at too or i hope i'm not just the only one uh that's struggling with that kind of concept and You've heard multiple professional players, both past and current ones, I feel like express the same thing uh, and you know talk about how they put their lives in line when they're out in the field, and that's generally been a phrase or saying, and yet we kind of really saw it play out truly that way on Monday. I don't have any better words or anything um, more to say, and I wish I did, other than uh, I continue to hope and pray for uh, things to turn out in a positive fashion, which uh, credit to the the medical staff there from both sides, you know, credit to the coaches as well, too, who I think did the right thing by uh, forcing the folks' hands and uh, not playing that game. And I really thought the people that were doing the broadcast live, there's a lot of times I've been negative about ESPN's coverage. They were in a very difficult spot, and every one of them, they handled things way better and way more than I could have ever done, I think, in a, in a very difficult position. So a lot of positives around for that kind of uh, – what was a tough time Monday. Absolutely. A very tough scene. And of course, uh, the, the human aspect of it will always be the most important aspect of it. Uh, we do, however, go on. And now there are decisions here uh, with the league for what they've got to do uh, scheduling wise here in the last week or two of the season, what they're going to do with the postseason. And of course, Joe, as you mentioned, with the, the fantasy side of things, uh, of course, again, we, we understand the context here le- far less than, than human life. But uh, I, I have a lot, of, a lot of friends that had various Bengals and Bills, notably great football teams. Um, and, and so what needs to happen here with both the schedule and, I guess, uh, from the fantasy perspective? Yeah, that's the really hard part, um, in addition to everything else, is that these are two really great offenses. And likely, if you made the fantasy playoffs or semifinals, whatever it was, you were relying on some version of the Bills and Bengals in your lineup. I mean, I, I was in five championships. Each one of them was impacted in some way. Um, by this, I, the the first as a, this is coming from the commissioner, I'm a commissioner of few weeks. Um, I, I'm waiting to determine what is going to happen with the Bills and Bengals, and I have to imagine 
the NFL will give us some context by the end of the week. So there really doesn't need to be a decision that's made until it's to say Saturday when the Week 18 contests are going to start. Um, once we get an idea of, like, if this game is being played, I'm just going to take the stats from that game whenever it happens and put them on there. If it doesn't, and given the Ravens being rescheduled to uh, 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, it would seem to indicate they are not going to reschedule that Bengals-Bills game. Then it becomes a matter of, I believe, to be frankly personal preference. So I've talked to a few of the people in the championship leagues and my leagues I'm commissioning and said, hey, I, this is unprecedented. I don't, I don't know what to do. Here are some options. And then they have more or less decide. So in some leagues, people have just forfeited them or, or just said, I wasn't going to win anyway. It's okay. Let's go ahead and give you out the money. Uh, let's make it easier on the commissioner. Others, uh, it's been relatively close. And, and I've kind of presented the option. We can use the projected stat totals from that Week 17 game and just automatically apply them, and we go with that. We could use the scores from Week 18, like what, the, what both the Bills and Bengals produce, and act as if those are Week 17. The one wrong answer, I think, is just leave it as is. I, I don't think that's a fair conclusion to what would be a very difficult uh, or difficult way to uh, ignore the numbers that both sides would have presented in that matchup. That's the wrong conclusion, but there's so many of the right ones that I think you have to determine with your league mates and your league what you want to do. Sure, and uh, definitely, like you said, unprecedented uh, circumstance there. And, of course, most leagues do end uh, their playoffs after uh, this this previous week because of what we're about to talk about with Week 18. And granted, there are definitely playoff scenarios. There always will be. But there's also teams that uh, are just going to play some young guys or might uh, want a breather with guys that maybe could play or could not play. Uh, a team like the Buccaneers that has absolutely nothing to play for on Sunday. They've been debating all week if they're going to play uh, or how much they're going to play Tom Brady, how much they're going to play Mike Evans, who just had uh, the best week he's had in a long time. Uh, just with some of these guys um, that play or don't play on Week 18, uh, are you? Are there any? Is there anything special you're watching for the availability of some of these guys uh, here in the final regular season week? Yeah, the Giants are the other team, and and I think we got lucky as fantasy players out there that only two teams are more or less phoning it in. Um, I would anticipate the Giants don't play Saquon Barkley. I don't imagine Daniel Jones would be out there for very long either. Um, so when it's only Tom Brady, Saquon Barkley, maybe some of the receivers for the Buccaneers who say they're going to play their guys, and I just don't, I would not uh, roll the dice on that because I would imagine it's only a half, if not more, if that's the case. Um, it, it could be worse. It, it certainly could be worse in that regard. Um, the waiver wire was pretty slim, and I think if you're like streaming quarterbacks, that was really the only area in which you got um, positive news. And even then, guys like Justin Fields already being ruled out have made it where you're really scratching the bottom of the barrel. I, I I had uh, had this conversation with my co-host on the podcast today, uh, Jake Wotarski, and, and credit to him, he said, I have to do some more research, but I'm sure there's some players that have incentives that they have to hit um, to get X amount of money at the end of the season. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a great thing. When all else fails and you're looking for fantasy production, go where the money might go. And I, I do kind of lean in that direction. I, I don't know if we need to put an article out there or if there's already one out in the universe about there should be. Uh, about different guys that are incentivized with the final conclusions of the contracts, whatever, and you hit X number of stats and touchdowns, uh, because that's what this Week 18 kind of represents. The NFL has done a good job with mostly divisional games in Week 18, meaning that uh, there's a lot left at stake. But for the Buccaneers and Giants, there really isn't a, a good answer for filling out some of these critical spots. 
And, Joe, when we look at the games that do matter this week, of course there's varying degrees that matter. Technically the Chiefs-Raiders matters just because the Chiefs could be the one seed. They could fall. But when you look at the games that are really going to be indicative of who's in the playoffs, such as that Saturday night game with the Titans and Jags, uh, you got some others for wild card seeding when the Patriots play, uh, Jets and Dolphins might end up mattering. Uh, just what are you most interested in in Week 18 of the NFL? I guess I'm, I'm curious to know um, the mirages that we saw in the first half are they actually real. Uh, and some teams that have done well or have played poorly, reverse, either way, in the second half, can that be corrected? And I think specifically like Mac Jones and the Patriots. I mean, this is a match against the Bills. The Bills will have possibly stuff to play for uh, from the number one seed perspective, too. I have not been impressed at all with Mac Jones. And Ramondre Stevenson has been a fantasy factor for a lot of people. Jacoby Myers, you could probably start in the last three or four weeks and been totally fine. Will that kind of continue? Okay, let's play this out more. Like, uh, will Lamar Jackson come back to the Ravens? Okay, I don't know the answer to that. But can J.K. Dobbins continue to be successful? I think three of the past four weeks he's been healthy. He's been at least a running back, too. Um, it's that kind of question. Or even extending it further to the Saints and Panthers, who realistically have nothing to play for, Rashid Shahid has been a, a under, um, sorry, he's been a under discussed relevant wide receiver three or flex option for the Saints and his continual development to what their offense might look like for next year. So there's some questions I want to answer for this season, but it's also really preparing for next year too. And okay, so what does the first round next year possibly look like? I know we're, we're like seven months away from that really being a relevant question or factor, but I, it is on my mind, at least as a, as a sicko who still does fantasy sports up until this point in week 18 and cares about it. Um, and what does it mean from a dynasty and keeper perspective too? There are still questions that could be answered for week 18 in those realms as well. And uh, transitioning over to uh, basketball, Joe, uh, recently we've seen an unprecedented amount of high-scoring, insane stat lines. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, just just to name a few, uh, Donovan Mitchell, 71-11-8. Um, recently, Luka had his 60-point triple-double. Um, Embiid going off for 42-11-5. Um, Braun having back-to-back 40-point games. Um, are you, would you say that that kind of carries over just because of the lack of defense in the NBA or just these players are kind of turning it up a notch because, you know, the, the games are starting to mean more as the season's going, uh, going on. Well, how dare you leave up my, my boy Giannis. I'm sorry. He, he, he did 50 double nickel. My <laughs> bad. My bad. Yeah. 55 and what? 20. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 An insane number. Um, I guess first off, Lucas triple double, but the, 21 rebounds and 10 assists. That that is one of the more insane lines, and uh, I don't think you will really see that ever again. Like he's just a, an insane talent, and very happy that he's in the NBA. And that kind of leads to my second point. You had mentioned, well, maybe the games matter more. I actually think the games matter less at this stage, especially with the eyes still in the NFL. And not that teams in the NBA care what the NFL is doing at all, but you can get by with the oh, we'll go ahead and rest four or five guys uh, because they're they're. Hammies are acting up, or whatever the Heat do every single game. It feels like um, right. there's there's less there's less stakes right now because you're kind of just trying to get through an 82 game season. Now, if you're in the NBA, maybe you try to figure that out and don't make your season 82 games. But whatever, that's the NBA's problem that they're going to have to eventually deal with. And they've, to be fair, have handled uh, issues and crises very well uh, over really the last uh, two decades. But certainly with Adam Silver's tenure. The other part is I just think there's more talent in the NBA than ever before. We mentioned Luka and uh, Donovan Mitchell and LeBron James and Giannis. And half these guys are younger. I know LeBron's 
uh, certainly pushing 40 years old. That's that's a crazy part already. I guess or he is 40, whatever. Um, I, that like I we uh, I was listening to local sports radio uh, here in Wisconsin. They're talking about what's your favorite Bucks player, and I went to immediately Michael Red in 2007. And if you said what does Michael Red do in the year 2022 in the NBA, he's probably no better than like the fourth or fifth player. Uh, on a team that maybe wins 45 games. And, it, and it's insane that he was an all-star for a couple of years for the Bucks. And uh, I I think there's just a lot of and, – and you guys here can do the same type of thing. And anybody listening, for every, every fan of the team they are, 20 years ago, you could probably name the all-stars or all-star caliber players and say, what would they be doing now? Not nearly as much. So I, I love that there is so much talent in the NBA. There's a reason why I think they will be expanding to 32 teams or whatever it is relatively soon. And uh, I think right now we can really appreciate the golden era of the sport because of the athletes that are there, but the way in which they're able to score, uh, it's not like you're watching 1960s Celtics games anymore where they're all going for two-point baskets, the three-pointers, and it, it isn't even so much the James Harden thing either where you're flopping. I think we are just a golden age of uh, basketball overall at the moment. He's Joe Bartle of Rotowire, and Joe, we always do appreciate the time with you again. Uh, tell every every listener here, uh, what you've got going on with Roto-Wire here as the football season concludes, but also as the basketball season continues on. Yeah, you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. We just wrapped up our last Wave Wire podcast of the year. We talked about our over-unders at the beginning of August for NFL, and they're doing pretty good on that, uh, hoping to be well above 500, which was a cool thing to see. And our best bets are going like 7-0-1, possibly 8-0, which was a nice, uh, cool thing to end the year on, too. Uh, with the NFL season ending, I'll still have SiriusXM for the next month leading up into the Super Bowl. Then it transitions into kind of like the, the dynasty coverage. What, what's the rookie draft going to be looking at? Uh, I can already tell you right now there's going to be a decent amount of depth at the running back position, which is exciting to see given the last couple of years that have just not been all that great. Uh, and then we got the NBA. I'll be doing more of the gambling coverage and, and gearing up for that as well, too. So lots still to come uh, if you're interested in following my coverage. But overall, Order Wire's got you set. I mean, baseball is a big thing for us now. Uh, as a company, and that will get even bigger as we continue on leading up to spring training and pitchers really getting ready to go. Well, Joe, we're just going to have to get you on all year then. I was just trying <laughs> to keep it to like a five- or six-month deal for you, give you a summer off. But you know what? We'll just talk Brewers all summer long, too. Oh, well, you can just hear me whine about the Brewers. I'd rather talk about a team that matters like your guys' team uh, <laughs> sure. throughout the course of the season. That, that's going to be more important to me. I can tell you that. I got you. Well, Joe, we do appreciate the time. As always, good luck to your Packers this weekend, and thanks for joining the program again. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That is Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire, again joining us on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. About out of time today, just about a minute left in the show, so let's do this. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, Watch Auburn. They're on now. Uh, on the SEC Network against Georgia. Also tonight, you've got number 25, Iowa State in Oklahoma, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Texas A&M plays Florida, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. In the National Hockey League, the New Jersey Devils and Detroit Red Wings, 6 o'clock on TNT. Hockey, eh? Eh, And then uh, a couple of movies for you, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, 6 o'clock on FX. And Thor, The Dark World at 6.01 on stars you won't miss anything with that one we're gonna be watching basketball tonight. we'll be watching we, shooty hoops we uh we do we do uh decree and that is sports calls nightly tv guide brought to you by white claw hard seltzer fun show today tom peavy thank you for be- being here again sir absolutely enjoyed it 
And uh, Canberry, thank you as well. Welcome to the first show of 2023. Yes, enjoyed it, sir. We are up. There we thank go. Thank you for having me. Uh, everyone, enjoy Auburn men's basketball tonight. Again, currently playing in Athens. Check that out over on our sister, sister station, FM Talk 93.9. We thank Joe Barl for joining us today, and we thank all those who tuned in and called in, as always. For Tom Peavy and Cam Barry, my name is Ryan Lavoy. Enjoy Auburn basketball tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>